0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast.
0: Um, My nephew needs me to course See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. Dan Pavalli Hardwood Knox, Bleacher Report, Blue Wire co-worker is here. Dan, good afternoon. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing, Chase? Doing pretty, pretty well, man. A lot of NBA stuff happening right now. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Hawks last night. Beautiful shot distribution. Um, It it was great. Like, Trey, 16 shots. Uh, Capella, Collins, Herter, Bogey, everybody. Lou, all in that 12 to 16 range. It was a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I am still so interested. I don't want to say have a lack of feel for that team, but mm-hmm. if they ever get fully healthy this season, when you're still dealing with injuries to, you know, I think mean, we could write off Chris Dunn at this point, but you yes. know, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, that team is super deep and interesting. And like you said, if they're going to spread the the joy around on on offense like that to all their guys, and Clint Capella is going to be defending like he has been all year. Uh, it they could they could make some noise in the playoffs i mean you don't you look at the top three teams in the east i don't think you'd pick them against any one of those no. teams but if, if something just goes their way it feels like they have the the talent to be probably that most dangerous dark horse outside of the top three
0: where they're getting seated is going to be interesting like we're going to talk a lot about the knicks in this podcast today but like they're right now at the playoffs started today they would get the knicks in a four or five matchup, and that's the best case scenario for the Hawks because I'm nervous about the Heat Celtics. Like, I think they get swept by the Heat. They get the Heat, the Celtics. They lose that series, um, probably go six or seven, but they lose that one. Um, but Knicks, I mean, you uh, the the Knicks would be a weird, interesting matchup. Uh, capella would have a lot of fun with Nerlens Noel inside, and I'm interested to see what happens when Julius Randall challenges Capella. Um, the rebounding chops that the Hawks just have and like when Capella and Collins are playing together like they are, like it's just, it's unfair. They had like 34 boards between the two of them last night against the Magic. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I like that matchup a lot. I think RJ, like the way the, the the Knicks are set up, I don't know. I just, I think the Hawks would do well with that group. I'd be interested to see who the Hawks put on RJ. Um, But also I just, uh, I don't know. I think that'd be a fun, fun thing and uh Seeing Albert Payton fly around trying to not uh, <laughs> get no. in a
1: bogey or trade's way would be fun. Uh, please no with Alfred Payton. <laughs> Just please no. Yeah, that would be. I think that would be. I don't want to say our best shot at a super entertaining first round matchup, but it feels like there'd be a lot of formalities, no matter who's going to win the play-in. Maybe if the Heat or Celtics end up in that seven spot, one of those teams, you could see them like really, you know to to the number, let's say if it's the, they're going up against the number two spot, like maybe that's something that could be interesting. But if the Nets stay at number two and get fully healthy, there would be an air of, oh well that, that's hopeless. So I'd be rooting for Nick's Hawks if you just want high value entertainment in the first round. And I didn't even think about the, the RJ Barrett question of defending him for the Hawks. I think at, at full strength they probably have the personnel to do it. Just you could use Cam Reddish, you could use Chris Dunn and then you have DeAndre well, those Hunter. Guys are gone, get yeah. More. Yeah. But if if not everybody's healthy, you know, if all all three of those guys are still injured or or banged up, uh, that certainly complicates matters for them. But that would be, you know, for two teams, I think maybe people, at least nationally, I'm sure locally their fans have a feel, but they don't have like a great feel of what they, they are, even though the Knicks have had relatively good health, the Mitchell Robinson stuff aside, I think people still don't have an idea of how good R.J. Barrett has become or how skilled their defense actually is they look at the shot profile and think that something's wrong there and then just the hawks with all the injuries that they've had trey young's been a a lot more up and down this year than he was last year so um that would be a super fun first round matchup and it's probably the one just from a a basketball guy who wants that entertainment in the first round that would be the matchup i'm i'm most intrigued by because i I don't know that there is a team that's going to upset philly brooklyn or, or milwaukee in the first round
0: yeah, I don't think anyone's upsetting the top three. Um, I think there will be pressure on Milwaukee um, in the top three, but um, yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. Um, it's also just like, it's interesting you point out the, the health stuff, and I've seen that a lot from Hawks fans lately. I'm just like, oh, and they get hell. I'm like, no, I want the gala to be ruled out for the season. I want that over. The gala experiment, I want that off. Just cross them off. Um, I'm good. Solomon Hill can get those back up four minutes. Solomon Hill's been great. Uh, I'd want Hunter back because I'm just... Herter's been really good of late, but he's a streaky guy. <laughs> and I don't imagine this is going to continue on to the playoffs. So I'd rather get uh rather really get Hunter back in the mix and he was just playing so well before the injuries really derailed this season. Get Snell in there. Um, I just I don't I don't need Gallo anymore. I don't I don't want the the Hawks to get out there. I don't want Chris Dunn to be trying force Fed back in this rotation because Goodwin and Lou are playing really well. Uh, backing up Trey that like eh, I'm pretty happy bogey needs a lot of minutes like I eh, I'm okay I I don't need everybody to be healthy I really just need Collins and Capella to stay healthy because I think that's one of the interesting wrinkles about this team is that the rebounding chops like we know that rebounding is not as important as it used to be but these two what they did against the magic last night and what they do when they're on the court together it's uh it's pretty brutal uh Collins and Capella inside
1: yeah and and they probably have their their weakest I guess on the front line behind those guys just when you look at what is Onyeka Okungwu going to give you and mm. then even if Gallo is healthy been up and down this year too and he's just not going to give you a ton defensively if he's playing the four or if you really want to downsize and give him to the five so it's it's really imperative that those two stay healthy Collins has defended a lot better this season as well and just as I mentioned before with Capella like you look at any you know advanced defensive metric like they're going to be in love with Capella more than usual this season he's been an absolute monster on both ends for them, and I think I mean, he's been the know, most important hawk this season. Click. Pellets. That's what I've heard a lot of people say, and I, I guess I wouldn't disagree. Trey Young is still the most important hawk if they want to win a playoff series, in my opinion, just because he's the guy that's gonna have yeah. to up the offense in those tough, tight situations. I think but be Bogey, I mean, he has the potential to do it, but that's just like Bogey to me has always been that secondary score. Like right, but that's what I'm
0: saying. Like Trey, I think will get his, but I think if Bogey is on in that series. And like the Knicks don't have any, like the Knicks aren't sure what to throw at bogey because they're spending so much attention on Trey. They like bogey going off. Cause bogey has just been outrageous from three. And if he's shooting like that in the playoffs, that's just, it's gonna be really hard to beat the Hawks in a seven game series in the first round, at least.
1: Yeah. I think you could probably point to who's going to be the number two offensive guys, the X factor for them mm-hmm. in any series. And right now that I think the, the no brainer option would be you want bogey to be that guy. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, James Harden out, maybe until the playoffs. Um, Are you scared? Should Brooklyn Nets fans be scared of where we're at with Harden and his hamstring?
1: I don't know that they should be scared, but I mean, this bad news is starting to pile up for Brooklyn. And just insofar, like how much bad news can you have when there's still Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and uh, James Harden on the roster? But now Durant's dealing with um, another thigh issue. You have the James Harden hamstring issue um Kyrie Irving looks healthy so you always have that this sort of vindicates them pulling off the James Harden trade because now you always have a megastar to lean on when you're dealing with these injuries I still come back to even if they are fully healthy leading into the playoffs one how long does it take um we can assume Kevin Durant will just come back sometime before the playoffs it seems like he's day-to-day right now with that thigh injury but if James Harden isn't ready until the playoffs how much ramp up time does he need is he on a minutes restriction to start the playoffs which would be weird and regardless of all of that this big three has still only played in seven games together, and it was really like six and change because they had that game where Durant wasn't a better start, but then he was cleared to play and then was pulled because he wasn't actually cleared to play. So I'm a big believer in these formations take time, and they just rarely come together so seamlessly. Um, a LeBron-AD partnership is the exception. This team can still be really good, and I understand why people would build them as the favorite if they're at full strength, but I think we've officially reached the point where not just because of James Harden's injury, but their lack of experience together this year, where it feels like we shouldn't be just penciling them in as that no-brainer Eastern Conference winner, let alone title favorite.
0: That's interesting. Um, I think it's actually maybe good that Harden's missing time now. Like, Haven't we always just said he's just run into the ground in the regular season in Houston for years, just what he has to do to keep the Rockets afloat and winning a bunch of regular season games that now he was playing at an nvb level and now if you do rest him and make sure that hamstring's right like give him time before the playoffs when it really really matters where they really need him to not die late in playoff series um i don't know i think it's uh good and kyrie's just playing out of his mind right now um he was great last night again and also i just i think they're just going to err on the side of crazy caution and i think kd is going to be okay i think it, the the thigh contusion is another just freak thing, but they're just being extra cautious with them. That dude, like, came in and immediately dropped 33. Like, it's just... Katie's fine. Like, (laughs) Katie is just going to come back in and it'll be fine. Like, I think uh, the Nets are... Maybe it won't be as much of a cakewalk as we would like to believe in the East for them to get out, but um, I think it's... It's very unlikely they don't make it out of the East, at the very least. I, I don't think they're winning the title. I have the Clippers still winning the title. I think where they're at right now, the Clippers still stand out the most to me, but... Um, I I think it's just going to be very difficult for the Sixers to score enough if this group is even remotely healthy, and then the Bucks are just we know what the Bucks are, and they're a worse version of what they were even a year ago. So, I I don't know. I just uh, the East is not that interesting at the top. <laughs> the East I think is going to like, unless you're like a I can talk myself into the Heat guy again uh, person. Um, I don't know. I think the East might be a little less interesting than even it was a year ago.
1: Yeah, I would put. I I get the concerns about the Sixers. I'd probably push back against Milwaukee, even though their record and you know, point differential don't reflect it. They've done a lot of different things this year that I think could serve them well in the playoffs. Like Using Giannis more as a screener, uh, you have Drew Holiday, who's just going to give you more from scratch creation mm-hmm. from the perimeter than um, Eric Bledsoe ever did, and his defense is, you know, whatever version of Eric Bledsoe the Pelicans are getting this year has been bad. But he's an upgrade, even at the best of Eric Bledsoe, defensively. So I. You know Milwaukee, they're they're so top heavy. So if they have one injury and their their best closing unit still isn't solidified, so there's concerns there. But looking at both Philly and Milwaukee, they have the defenders, they have the collective length to I think slow down Brooklyn at least a little bit. And if you can give yourself a chance there, uh, you know the Nets defense still isn't going to be anything special in the playoffs, regardless of who they're starting at center, um, you know, and who they're you know just starting in the front court in general. So and even with you know KD dealing all these. Like lower limb injuries is going to be less of a an asset insofar as even was one for them defensively than most people expected so i just think the nets are i wouldn't panic but i think they're a lot more vulnerable to philly and milwaukee specifically and exclusively there's not another team that i would pick to potentially beat them i think they're more vulnerable in that conversation than uh, than we've really talked about to this point
0: yeah I mentioned the Clippers. Um, I still think they're going to win the title. I think they're, as of this recording, 41-19. and 19, No one really cares. They won, like, 9-10 that Paul George is playing at an MVP level right now for LA. They do some really cool stuff. I was watching some action uh, with them in the Blazers last night with the just the, um, the stuff that he has with Zubac. And he has a really good chemistry with Zubac. And he's able to do a lot of point-forward stuff that he was not doing last year. And he's... Um, Just like they, they do some really good off-ball stuff. Like the Clippers, like it just seems like it all looks a lot more uh, innovative, and it looks a lot more like an offense that will work come crunch time in important playoff series. And also, just this is the kind of way to use Paul George with, um, I I don't know, the dribble handoffs and just finding avenues. Like they are, like Paul George is a better passer than he gets credit for, and I like this group. Kawhi didn't play last night. Lillard didn't play, but like, you look at it and you're jotting notes, down, and you're like, this this makes sense. Like the the Clippers have their hierarchy. They know where they are. Terrence Mann's good for them. Like I, I just I'm a big Clippers believer. I I think this looks like a different team, and I think even with Kawhi missing for a week and Paul George's toe, I I don't know. I'm still pretty pretty optimistic right now, and I think the Clippers aren't getting enough love nationally. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, that's fair. Still, still does feel like were hanging on to their early se- season struggles and Paul George has sort of popped uh, under the radar and he was talking previously about how the toe injury was really hampering him and it doesn't seem like it's been hampering him for the last month or whatever. He's averaging like 25 points and six assists while flirting with 50, 40, 90 sl- shooting. He's
0: dominating. Selected. You watch these games yeah. like he is dominating.
1: And there's there's definitely a – I didn't – people pointed this out earlier in the year and just watching them. I didn't see it or necessarily sense it, feel it, whatever. But now when you watch them, and the Blazers game on Tuesday night was a good example, like the ball moves more. There's more stuff yes. happening off the ball. And so that gives them another level in gear on offense. Rondo has worked out really well for them too, overall. And that seems like I still think they gave up too much to get him, but that feels like it looked it's a win-win trade for Atlanta and LA right now, based on what's currently happening on the court. As you mentioned, Terrence Mann has given them some from some really good minutes. Um Marcus Morris has has perked up a little bit this year. The injuries with them are always a concern, but you know Kawhi Leonard at least. Patrick Beverly is definitely a wild card, but you know that Kawhi Leonard Ka- Leonard, excuse me, will be ready in the postseason. And I think the probably the one concern or two concerns that are fair still with them is that their crunch time defense and even the offense, you can maybe you believe, you know, Rondo didn't close the game against the Blazers, but maybe you believe that if they really need someone to do you know, delineate touches that he'll come in. Yeah. Um yeah. but they don't get to the rim a ton. And I'm not a big believer in free throw attempt rates hurting you in the playoffs. We've seen it with Lou Williams. He falls off a cliff because the foul baiting doesn't work. Yeah. But it would be nice to have someone other than Zubots or Terrence Mann is probably just the second best guy on the team at putting that pressure onto the rim. And then they're, Could they're tries. Stuff. He just doesn't get foul call. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, it, like, like I said, sort of alluded to before, their defense in crunch time has been weird. It's such a small sample size. I don't necessarily want to read into it, and it's just had their their peaks and valleys. So there are some concerns there, but where the West has those five contenders, and it felt it felt like or people kept putting them clearly at the bottom of that. Um, the Jamal Murray injury in Denver clearly changes that pecking order, but the Clippers are sort of creeping up to the territory of, oh, are they actually the biggest threat to come out of the West again? And that's not a conversation that's really been had at all since the beginning of this year.
0: No, I I just really hope we get a Western Conference round two of Jazz, Lakers, and Clippers, Suns. That's what I'm rooting for, really, really badly. That that'd be awesome. That's what I
1: want. Those would all be interesting matchups. I am, I mean, if you know me at all, I'm all in on the Suns. So um, yeah. I, mean, I want to be all in on the Sun. Suns. suns make sense every they're nine
0: guys like jake why is jake crowder out of the starting lineup why they insert sarge back in there
1: um, i'm sorry i didn't hear that last part what sarge,
0: was it? It back at the four and crowder off the bench now why, do they, why are they tinkering why is, what is monty doing going back and forth do you have a preference there
1: yeah, I mean, it would not be to have uh, Shars and DeAndre Ayton play together. I wasn't sure if that you know this might be like them trying to cater to matchups. You know, you're going up against Milwaukee had Brooke and Giannis, so yeah. you're thinking about that. But Jay Crowder is like the ideal Giannis defender to me that they mm. have. I'd, I don't I'd think rather. there's an
0: ideal Giannis defender. Can I just say there's well, no ideal Giannis defender? There's no such fair. thing. That person does not Bam, exist.
1: But and so and in probably I be guess Bam. Like, yeah, but I think for the Suns specifically, Jay Crowder. You could try out Tory, Tory Craig. I think DeAndre Ayton had some good yeah. minutes against him. In that game, so I would assume it's more matchup stuff. Maybe they're also trying to just inject some interesting things Uh, into shards who's been not as good lately and the lineups with him at the five leading those bench units have not been as potent Mm -hmm. so maybe they're just trying to futz and fiddle with that but if you're Jay crowder like you've seen monty williams kind of experiment with this framework not shards specifically but benching you and putting someone else in the starting unit and it just hasn't worked Mm -hmm. before and so i would i would start Jay crowder and i don't even i think regardless of matchup to me if i were the suns
0: yeah i don't really understand it um also don't really understand that cameron Payne's just a solid backup point guard and uh Phoenix now like what what is this I, like he's just fine he gobbles up the stat line he'll get some boards assist and like he's he's fine it's plus minus every game I'm pulling through and I'm like huh campaign's Payne's fine he he bounced around a lot and just fell off and then suddenly good not should I shouldn't say good but average uh NBA point guard like suddenly the Suns just have competency at the point guard spot all over the place
1: I think because it's players like that doing it even looking at charts being their you know primary backup five Um, or leaning on someone like Torrey Craig now, that is why people seem to distrust the Mm Suns, is they look at, like, is there that proven depth there? And a lot of their, you know, role players and one of their star players and Devin Booker don't have that playoff experience. I just think they've been so good for so long, and no, Torrey Craig isn't going to shoot a bajillion percent from three forever, and we have to see him hit those looks in the playoffs. There's just a lot to the supporting cast, including Cameron Payne, that is more real than not. And that's why I, I do burn is someone who yeah not a guy who's gonna get to the rim for you a ton but his jitterbug offense that's going to help you in the playoffs and he's now been playing at this level since the bubble last season and so this isn't just some anomaly
0: what do you what do you see differently with Ayton? because like his stuff is good and I think he's now a better defender than people give him credit for I think Ayton has actually like quietly come along really nicely for Phoenix
1: Yeah, he's definitely been a roller coaster all year, and I'd be more concerned about, you know, there were challenges for him defensively if he was coming out too far before, and teams were sort of um, learning that he wasn't holding up the greatest against all these switches, but he can still do that. And even the good possessions he had against Giannis, like, there's that potential there, especially when he's fully engaged. The offense, it's been better over the past few weeks, particularly their last eight or nine games or whatever it's been. But he's so – that's the that's his wild card skill or swing skill. It seems like sometimes he struggles to, to score within the flow, and he'll be settling for jumpers or, or fadeaways instead of rolling hard to the rim or trying to put pressure on the rim and drawing fouls. Still isn't getting to the line at all, but more of his looks are coming in the restricted area than before, and he's taking fewer jumpers as a percentage of his shot attempts. And if he continues this stretch – and this is the player you get – in the playoffs where yeah, it's still dicey if he's going to set screens for you. Like he's just not the the best decision maker immediately after that, but he's making smarter decisions at least with the ball and being more aggressive in general at both ends. That's huge. I don't know if he gives you that third star, but it gives you a situation where, you know, you have someone in theory, there is no ideal Anthony Davis defender, but that's sort of, you know, now there's Jay Crowder and, and DeAndre Ayton are two guys that you can throw up against Anthony Davis and point to rather than having, you know, just one of those guys are, or zero of those guys so he's uh, I, I wouldn't say he's their most important player leading into the postseason but he's definitely their x-factor
0: yeah I'm excited to see him like that's the other thing is like there's a lot of wild cards we don't know what Devin Booker will be like in a deep series we we know kind of we shouldn't say, I shouldn't say we know we know we have an idea of what Chris Paul is going to be like in this in deep playoff series but you know, we haven't seen Cam Johnson. Does he go off a couple of games? We haven't seen Mikael Bridges in this situation. We haven't seen Darius Sarge really in this situation. We haven't seen Aiton, obviously, in this situation. Like, I'm just really excited about to see the Suns play competitive, important basketball um, come playoff time. Like, I'm really excited to see them go against so That's why I kind of want to see them in the Clippers or the Lakers in round two. I want to see it early. I want to see them go at those teams and see what they could do, because I, I don't know. Um, it just sucks. The Nuggets are just... <sharp inhale> out like the nuggets the all-time great yoke at season and it just doesn't matter like it's just it's over uh unless you're a big austin rivers guy, is austin rivers fixing the uh the nuggets playoff chances or uh title chances dan
1: no i don't think he's no, fixing I don't think so. <laughs> but they have played surprisingly well without yeah. jamal Murray so far and that's it's sort of a situation where you can not envision them coming out of the west but it also wouldn't shock me to see them win two playoff series and make it back to the western conference finals it's just going to be A lot tougher and i think his absence inherently puts a cap on their ceiling even if michael porter jr just you know continues going kaboom you're not you're never going to replace the combination of jamal murray's face-ups and tough shot making with his playmaking he was giving you some tough defenses for stretches against opposing guards too and there are you know players on the roster that bring elements of that now but there's no one guy that melds all of those skills together
0: triple j returning for memphis very soon memphis obviously gonna be in the play-in uh situation out west uh the grizzlies are a hard team to get a good read on um they're quickly falling into the too many young guys category uh, but jaron jackson jr i like his shot it's one of the weirder ones that works um with jonas getting banged up they've kind of gotten hit with the injury bug a little bit but also jonas has played really well for them um where does jaron jackson fit in and are you excited to see him back in memphis
1: yeah, I'm super excited. He's, you know, their second most important long-term player still, and I think yeah. he brings a lot of what they've needed. Their, you know, their offense this month has been surprisingly good. They're second in points scored per possession per cleaning the glass since April 1st. But their Achilles heel over the entire season is so they don't shoot enough threes. They're 28th, I think, in three-point attempt rate and they're 19th in three-point accuracy. He helps them with both. Just someone who will chuck a ton of threes as we saw last season and they're going to go in. That gives um, John Morant more room to operate, even Kyle Anderson, who's hitting threes this season, more room to operate. It just does a ton for them, and I don't know what he nudges their offensive ceiling to. We have to see how many minutes he's going to play over the next couple weeks, but this is a, you know, this is an, I I agree with you that they're a tough team to get a hold on, but they're, they're a scary team. Like, you know, you don't want to face Dame or Luca in the first round if you're one of the upper echelon teams, but the grizzlies feel like that squad where the pre-superstar clippers where it was they're not going to beat you but you're going to feel that five or six game series hmm i don't do you want to see them in the
0: the round one matchup like do they pose any real threat to the jazz in round one
1: i don't think so it's just you know do the do the spurs or the warriors pose any real threat to the jazz in round one i guess you just default to golden state there because yeah. they have step but there, I would argue, their supporting cast is just so much more unpredictable than the talent that's around John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. right now. And so there's a chance that Memphis gives whoever finishes number one in the West, it'll probably be Utah or Phoenix, there's a chance that Memphis, um, you know, should they end up being the eighth seed, there's a chance Memphis does give them a better series. But I would, I would, yes, I, I have to default to Stephen Curry at this point.
0: I do too, but like, like you said, watched a lot of Warriors this year, like, this this is a really bad roster like this is a really bad roster and this is what happens when you build a dynasty and the dynasty gets expensive and you have to go around the edges and you have to settle for the Jordan Pools the Nico Mannions of the world the uh, Toscano Andersons like all those guys like it's just it's just bad and Kelly O'Bray now back on the bench which is where he is playing better as of late Wiggins playing 41 minutes and getting some cardio the other night um it's just uh it's bad I mean Kevin Kavon Looney being back at the starting spot is huge for them because he's actually a helpful basketball player in the year 2021 and those Wiseman minutes in the starting group were really bad and Wiseman's just not there so that will help them in a series against Utah I don't think they pose a real threat I think they might get a game or two it's going to kind of look like the Russ OKC teams I think at the end uh before he got traded that's what it will look like we're like they don't win the series they don't really have a shot but Steph's gonna have a game or two where he just puts him on his back and wins a game and it's just like oh my god this person is insane um but their team stinks around him and they're just not gonna be able to score enough now do I think Utah's gonna run into um the bus on round two or three yes like you can go ahead and pencil Utah is not winning the west like Utah I Dan I am so mad at Utah like I'm gonna be mad at (laughs) Utah for the foreseeable future like I just I'm disgusted they didn't go after a Jeremy Grant or a Lou Dort or whoever. Just add some sort of wing to prep them for an L.A. series, whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers. Like, the Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Bojan stuff is going to cost them. And I'm just, I'm so annoyed because they're so good. I like Mitchell. I love Conley. Gobert's just been insane. They've solved pick and roll and pick and drop basketball. But, like, not addressing that and just betting on their group. I think, will ultimately cost them.
1: Yeah, I just don't know that that player you're referencing was out there even when they had money to spend during yeah. the offseason in which they got Boyan Bogdanovich to Utah. And that's just the the problem with that. And I agree that that seems like it could be their fatal postseason flaw, who is their bigger wing defender. It's just, it's not Joe Ingles. It's not, Royce O'Neal's too small to do that. Um, you know, you've seen, like, interesting things from George Yang and, and Maioni, but, like, those guys are not the answer for them and so that seems like what they're going to run into in the postseason and you also just have to look at you know donovan mitchell is he going to be fine after he comes back from this ankle injury as well
0: yeah i don't know sorry utah fans like i, I enjoy watching your team i enjoy watching utah love your guys just uh it's like if i had to do a higher like if you had to do a list right now it is april 21st most likely to come out of the west as of right now in order of the top four how would you do it
1: Top four, I think this might be the Coward's way to do it, but I'm probably displacing the Nuggets just from the, yeah. you know, they're fifth of that top five. And I would probably go, yeah, I think right now I'd be Lakers just because I won't doubt LeBron and AD. You have to tell me that they're not playing for me to not play the Lakers. I'd probably go Lakers, Suns, Clippers, Jazz.
0: That's fair. Right now I'm going Clippers, Suns, Lakers, Jazz.
1: There's, I'm just curious, like, what is the argument? against the lakers uh like their this. health
0: and what they had to do last year like the amount of tread what they the gaunt that they ran through in the bubble uh um, yeah but
1: now their stars like aren't gonna have that tread after missing all this time but
0: i think the ad stuff's terrifying like the pre Achilles stuff um i ad has mostly been injured his career right like ad is an injury prone dude and <laughs> they like we we love ad he's amazing and he's great and he was awesome for la last year I'm just i not betting on eighty being 100% the rest of the way. I think this is a real thing, and I think it's just going to be something that's just going to be limiting for him. And I think it's just going to be very, very difficult for the Lakers to go back-to-back with a better Western Conference this year. I'm just betting against them doing that. I think it's just going to be significantly more difficult.
1: There's definitely something to the effect that the road out of there is going to be harder because if they finish, let's say they just finish fifth, where they are right now, which seems probably like the most likely outcome. You're gonna end up probably playing the Nuggets in round one, like you're throwing eighty at Jokic and the Jazz, and then the like the Suns or the Clippers. Like, yeah, that's a tough road to go through, but you might have to go through like some version of that in the latter. Like, it's a difference of to me one tough playoff round matchup because you're always gonna have two difficult ones probably if everything goes chalk. So, and look, there's a chance like if they were one in the West or two, like going up against Luca or Steph in the first round isn't gonna be a cakewalk either.
0: Um. I guess it wouldn't be a cakewalk, but it would be a lot more manageable, and I think they're a lot less stressed in that situation. But if they have to go, uh, Jokic and go Bear back to back to start off, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be significantly more difficult—a significantly more difficult road for this group. But I mean, it is LeBron and AD, so we should not discount it. I just think it's going to be hard. Um, the Knicks. Do you, like, what is the Zion thing? Like, he likes Madison Square Garden. Why do people do this? Why was that a talking point for a 24-hour portion of this week that he loves playing in the Mecca, and he had his first game and was smiling from ear to ear? What basketball player doesn't enjoy playing in New York? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
2: Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. ServiceNow Digital Workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow Workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only have the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow Workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now Platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's it's not news and look if you want it yeah. to be news you need a player to say that and then actually eventually sign with the Knicks. We've mm-hmm. seen all these stars say that only to then spurn them. I hate the the two things I really hate about this is one I, I feel for small market fans mm-hmm. where it feels like their their players are constantly being viewed as just trade fodder that yeah. they're eventually going to leave. And then especially with a player so young into his career, the way this and regardless of how you feel about NBA's draft structure and free agent structure, the way for restricted free agency works right now, the Pelicans aren't going to be in a position to where they have to think about Zion leaving for you know the next five years at least. Uh, so you have them for the first four years of their rookie-scale contract. You'll sign them to a four- or five-year deal uh, in restricted free agency or on an extension. If it's a five-year deal, maybe there's a player option at the end. It's still eight full years, and we're in his second season. So it's just like come on and I do hate that we try to spin this like oh maybe as a restricted free agent he'll go to New York no that's not how it works and even if it is you need to see stars go to the Knicks first they've they're definitely making their case to be more appealing this year but now we've seen them whiff on so many different free agency pipe dreams we've seen so many different players talk about how much they love playing at Madison Square Garden only to not sign with the team or request a trade to the team that plays there we've seen a ton of superstars want out over the years and What's the last one to actually have the Knicks on their short list? It's probably Anthony Davis, but that felt sort of like an add-a-boy, where everyone knew he was going to the Lakers anyway.
0: Yeah, I, it's just dumb. Like you said, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened for a long time. This was like the bigger version of like the Hawks stuff. Remember when like the Hawks had all this cap space, and they were like, uh, there were Hawks fans talking about it. like, what are they going to do with this cap space? Could they go after make a run after AD? I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. Like what are we talking about? Like this is Gallinari. Like you're gonna have to throw the max at him just to consider it. This is Atlanta. <laughs> what are you talking about? This has never, literally, never happened, and it will never happen. Like I think a lot of players like living in Atlanta and like hanging out in Atlanta. Guess what? They're not signing with Atlanta. It's the same thing with New York. And I, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just it it's would
1: it. be cool if one marquee name just went with like the the sexy basketball fit. Mm-hmm. You're like regardless of the market where i think the closest we've seen to that in recent memory and was when paul Millsap went to the nuggets yeah in free like just of how sought after he was and that was like oh that's like the fit play but he clearly Butler kind of kinda did that he did but it's it's also miami and like that's yeah. their game is well, what i'm street. saying like he chose the
0: fit of miami and the culture and everything else i think that was kind of it but it is
1: a big market yeah I need it to happen with Denver, Utah, Atlanta. It needs to be a team like that. Giannis seemed like he was a possibility. Him staying in Milwaukee
0: kind of signals that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that next guy will be. Um, The Knicks, we've mentioned them a little bit. They've won seven straight. Can you explain to me how the Knicks are winning over and over and over again?
1: Yeah, look, they're, Julius Randle's the engine on their offense, mm-hmm. and uh, he deserves all the credit in the world. He joins LeBron, and Jokic is the only player leading his team in points and assists this season still, I believe. Uh, what he's doing is absolutely— I don't think that I'll have him on my all-NBA ballot, but like if people put him on there, he has an argument, especially with the amount of games now that Kawhi has missed and, and Davis has missed. The forward spots are going to be a little bit iffy. What I will say is that their defense— is not a mirage. And I know you look at their shot profile. They give up a lot of looks at the rim. They give up a lot of threes. Um, the, the pressure that they put on guys around the rim, Nerlens Noel has been a monster there this year. That's sort of by design. And then even with the three-pointers they're giving up, they do a great job of running opponents off the break or at least contesting those shots. And when they're helping, they're helping off bad shooters in the corners. And so they're just very smart about the way they defend. You combine that, with dictating the pace of play a lot, where they slow everything down. It's just, it could be a you know, live ball turnover, defensive rebound after a made shot, whatever. They're going to be methodical about the way they're attacking. It can make for an infuriating offense at times, but when you have Julius Randle who's playing so well hitting these difficult shots, R.J. Barrett has been a revelation as a number two option. There's more to plumb with him on the ball, but he's just turned into a really smart off-ball player at both ends, by the way. His off line. What's that? He gets to the line. He's getting to the line more. I'd probably like to see him do that a, a lot more than he is. It, it feels like early in games, if you see him attack the rim on like one of the first five possessions, you're like, mm. oh, it's going to be a good R.J. Barrett free throw night. <laughs> Otherwise, it won't be. And the other thing that, that's helped them is I, don't, I still don't think they should be starting Alfred Payton. But there's sort of a, a method to the madness there where they want to have Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly get reps together. And their bench mop unit is just straight dismantling opponents where maybe it's not all bench players at once but there could be three or four and you have you know maybe Julius Randles with them or RJ Barrett's with them and so with all those guys when they're at full strength they're they are fairly deep you look at these players that aren't con- necessarily considered long-term assets but Reggie Bullock has been great for them on both ends his defensive assignments are are so tough um I already mentioned Nerlens Noel Alec Burks has had a great year for them there I don't I'm I'm curious to see what happens to their offense in the playoffs, but their defense, I really think, is going to, to stand up. And they're another one of those teams where even if you don't pick them to win whatever series they end up pulling, it does feel like one of those situations where the opposing team will remember it in some form.
0: This is also how you get the attention of stars, right? Like playing this way, kind of like how Brooklyn played pre-stars, right? Like this is the way to do it with this group, this scrappy group that's winning a bunch, that has a bunch of role pieces that intrigue guys like this is actually the normal way of a big market finding their way uh looking their way into stars It's just like don't just have cap space and no culture build with these young guys and build with what you have and play really hard and make the playoffs and do this kind of stuff and then you're like oh yeah this is a competent organization now in a major city that i like playing basketball and this the, it's just all you need like they're now competent in a big market
1: yeah, and you know, it's the timing of it's not necessarily Yeah, that's what I was
0: right? just thinking too. Like if they had done this like just a couple of years earlier, they might have a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving.
1: Right. And there's just no big names to post this year, so they're probably better off rolling over their flexibility to 2022 when right now Julius Randle will also be a free agent unless they extend him. Uh the thing that the, the the two things that worry me and this is I'm not trying to be like oh typical doesn't watch the Knicks person, it's the the minutes for Julius Randle and RJ Barrett are just they're astronomical. RJ Barrett playing 46 minutes in regulation the other night. Uh, Julius Randle at 37.4 minutes per game for the season. I do worry about wear and tear, particularly when you're dealing with a truncated schedule. I know this team had a ton of time off uh, because they weren't in the bubble. That's still sort of the red flag. And then the Knicks fan in me is just like, of course, they're pretty good in a year where having a top five pick would have meant like potentially drafting another future superstar. Where it was, they've been they've been kind of screwed. By the lottery gods when you look at how bad they've been and then even in the rj barrett draft i think he's bridging the gap between john morant but it was considered that like oh one and two zion and ja like those are the all nba future mvp type players and the knicks were three and then they've dropped in other lotteries as well this was the one where it felt like almost foolproof because the like top four to to six picks or whatever feel like they're those potential franchise changers at the same time As you already mentioned, I do think it's a big deal for them because of the market they play in, because of how they've tried to rebuild via free agency in the past, that it now appears there's there's now a rhyme or reason to how they're operating on the court. And they have that culture laid bare that should wind up helping them a ton as we look at, you know, the next couple of years ahead.
0: That's fair. Um, Why is nobody taking Milwaukee seriously coming out of the East? Didn't you hit on this already? You said they're a worse version of the team they were last year. I feel like it's, that's my perspective. That is my perspective.
1: I think we have Bucks fatigue because I don't think they're Man. that inferior of a version um, compared to last season. They're not beating winning teams as much. They're fifteen and sixteen against opponents under five hundred, and they've also tried some. You know, they're basketball X's and O's guys, just way smarter than I am. That have pointed this out at nauseum. And you watch them, you see it. They're trying different things on defense. They've switched more. Uh, they're Giannis to the five lineups some of them have worked but like the personnel that they have right now pre pj tucker being healthy anyway wasn't ideally suited to doing that and so some of those lineups have all this loud noise i think once you get to the playoffs though the full breadth of the changes they've made on offense and defense are going to be seen all of that said there's still just a looming specter of well what's going to happen with Giannis in the postseason when he goes up against certain defenses we've seen him be willing to take threes we've seen him be able to hit those you know step back mid-range jumpers or those fadeaways but they just never go down at this super efficient clip and does he get to a point where he's hitting those looks in the playoffs at a semi-consistent clip even because that does still feel like their determining factor if they're going to come out of the east and eventually win a title but i to me looking at the way they've played this year and the way that it feels like they're a little bit more willing to change i think you can still question some of mike boonholzer's lineup decisions for sure I view them as more dangerous in the postseason this year than I did last year.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know. Drew holiday has been really good, and that just feels bad because I'm like, I love Drew Holiday. and he's really good for them, and he's been really important and a different kind of guy that they have not had in previous years. So the Bucks fatigue is not all the way fair there, but the Dante DiVincenzo, Devin you know who they could really use? Bogey. That is a, a player they could really use.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be ideal for them and i mean look they they could have had him yes so that's uh, but that's what i'm saying like when people talk about it's happened. like
0: that's an under talked about point with them is that like if they had just completed the bogey thing like that's that's the the final piece that's where they're missing
1: yeah that other sort of it does feel like they're another like wing defender short where they almost missed court tory craig a little bit too mm. um i don't know but they weren't playing him when they gave him away for free so i don't like i don't really know how much that that matters. But yeah, I mean, bogey on this team would have, that would have, I think that would have playoff proofed their offense in a way that I think you can argue. It's not playoff proof right now. You can envision it working, but there's still that element of unsettling mystery. I think bogey would have taken that out of the equation, especially if he was playing the way he's been playing in Atlanta over the past few weeks. What's going on with Portland is, I don't know an acceptable answer. I mean, you know, Dame missing a few games certainly hurts them. Uh, I did find it funny that they lost a one possession game to the Clippers, and seven seconds later, there was the news that Dame was playing against the Nuggets on Wednesday. It was like he he saw that, texted Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes. I'm back. Like, was <laughs> just like, I won't stand for this any longer. They're, look, they play too many close games for their own good at this point. And even if you trust them in those situations, they're going to have to start beating good teams eventually if they want to win in the playoffs. And that's been an issue for them all year as has been being at full strength like they just haven't been cg mccall missed a ton of time Nurkic has missed a ton of time but they're 11 and 18 against opponents above 500 which is tied for the worst record among west playoff teams aside from uh golden state warriors i don't really know how to view the play in spots i keep getting tripped up when looking at the top 10 seeds but so i don't know that they're built to necessarily change that uh we'll see i think norman powell adds the you know, downhill element of their offense that they didn't really have. But it might come at the expense of defense just because he's smaller than Gary Trent Jr. was. Their defense is is not good this year. It's it's played well for spurts. And I think you look at their personnel when there's Robert Covington and, you know, even Norman Powell to some extent. You do have Derek Jones Jr., but he's not playing a ton. Um, Nasir Little's given them some good minutes this year, too. Yeah, I don't understand too. that one. It's It feels like they have the personnel that will be better defensively than they are. Yeah, like Harry Giles is getting DNP CDs. Yeah, so it's, you know, I I don't know that it's solvable with what they have. And the fact that they've been 22nd in defensive efficiency since April 1st, and that's like a massive improvement <laughs> for what they've done this season, might just say it all. And that's coincided with sort of a weird offensive drop-off in, you know, just point score possession and also the way that they're shooting. Some of that I do think is Damian Lillard has missed these past few games. But they're they still feel one player short of being a legitimate contender. And it's not this, like... Oh, had they traded for, you know, had they been the team that scooped up Torrey Craig, who's making a huge difference in Phoenix? No, it's like a a real. They got Robert Covington to do that. (laughs) Right. And it's he was never he's always been like a better team defender, not this one on one guy. They would have. I do wonder, would they be a better team if they had Aaron Gordon instead of Robert Covington, who himself is not a lockdown defender, but he's better one on one.
0: All that being said, I still would want no part of Portland in round one. I would not want any part of Lillard, McCollum, Powell, um, Roko, and Nurkic. I, I still would want no part of it.
1: No, I don't think you would. And so, of the three teams, I think we've kind of already written off the Warriors. If you're yeah. just one of the upper echelon West teams, who would you, who do you not want to face the most out of the Mavericks with Luka, the Warriors with Steph, and the Blazers with Dave? Blazers. I'm with you. Just CJ's. By the way, CJ is. I think people kind of jumped ship on him when ESPN had him number 13 in one of their recent top 100 player rankings, like two or three years ago, he's been a monster consistently in the playoffs and to have two yep. scores at that caliber between him and Dame is absolutely terrifying.
0: And then adding Norman Powell, cause they haven't really had that kind of wing. Um, who's just so comfortable shooting like Norman Powell. Uh, it's just going to be another guy who's just not going to be afraid to get up shots. Um, if one of those two are not getting, not going off. Um, as we wrap up here damn stats as of right now that you've been intrigued by by parsing through the nba math
1: so this one's it's a basic one but it still sort of shocks me uh nicholas Batum leads the clippers in total minutes played this mm. season that's when you look at the injuries they've dealt with that makes sense but i was gonna say that
0: what, doesn't actually bl- like when I, i've watched a lot of clippers that does make sense and he's not even starting anymore <laughs>
1: It it makes sense, but at the same time, it's like think about where he was with Charlotte the past couple of years and how they just picked him up. Yeah. Um, so that's just absolutely mind blowing to me. Another thing I'm watching, the Kings are not good. Uh, they they like they're good on some nights and then they're just absolutely awful for these long stretches. De'Aaron Fox is so ridiculous. And I think there are concerns about his jumper, and he's not shooting a high clip from three, but he's one, getting to the foul line a ton, and he's also shooting on step-back three-pointers this year. 23 of 55. That's a real shot for him right now. And so he is, you know, you talk about swing pieces for the future. This isn't just like some cutesy fringe all-star. He has a chance to make All-NBA one day soon. He is that level of good. And now you're pairing him with Tyrese Halliburton. Can you keep Rashawn Holmes when he hits free agency this season? And the other thing that I'm watching is, you know, I've been focusing a lot on bad teams lately, but the Timberwolves – they just have a ton of tough decisions coming up, and yep. a lot of it's going to hinge on what happens with that top three protected pick they owe the Golden State. When you look on paper, that five-man core of D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Jane McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns, it makes so much sense. But because of injuries, um, you got Beasley's suspension, too, but I think D'Lo was injured for the, that entirety. Now Beasley's injured himself. Those five, they've played zero seconds together this season. <laughs> And so that's a lineup once Minnesota's at full strength. If they get there, I don't Beasley could technically be done for the year. I'm very interested to see get some run this season. Dilo's been a lot better as of late off the bench. There's value in pick and like pick and roll. maestros who can hit off the dribble jumpers. No, yeah. he's not the all-star that he became in Brooklyn, but he's like, he adds value and we have to start evaluating him independent of, his contract and yeah. the, if you just look at him as like a third guard he's a valuable third guard and i i do wonder though like how long does this him coming off the bench stuff really stick there hasn't been rubblings that there that i mean that's what it
0: should thing. be if you put him back in the lineup and you have him as one of your core pieces then you've you've already fucked up like that should be like that should be it's, it needs to have sailed like you have to have that tough conversation with dilo like you're a third guard you're lou williams you need to accept that goodbye
1: yeah, I mean, I get it for, for defensive reasons, but you also yeah. look at this, the, the iffiness of shooting and, and mm-hmm. who they've started the past three games where you have like... And, and you know, part of this is because Malik Beasley isn't there, so I totally yeah. get that. But like having Rubio Okogie, and, and McDaniels is just not a high-volume three-point shooter, and then Edwards, who is touch-and-go there. There's also, Derek
0: Colbert of, getting DMP CDs is not great.
1: Uh, The decision to trade up for him in 2019... Yeah, that's not looking ...not good. looking great. And this team becomes... You need, and you could say this of any number one overall pick, but you need Anthony Edwards to to go boom if you wind up sending that pick to Golden State this year. Because what is your path towards more improvement? You don't have cap space. You're not a free agent destination anyway. You have your own draft picks moving forward, but are now mortgaging more of your future to trade for a star. And we're, you know, pre I don't, I just talked about how I don't like people eyeing small market stars, but the Timberwolves have not been good around Carl Anthony Towns. He has three years left on his deal after this one, so it's not theoretically an issue, but pre-agency has become an actual thing, like between a year and a half to two years out from a player's actual free agency. And so next season, if they're not good, after that, I think you do get to a point where it could get pretty uncomfortable.
0: Last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Uh, give me one fun thing about the Orlando Magic.
1: Wendell Carter Jr. is playing fairly well for them. Okay. but Since he's been traded over. I like and Chuma. He's been- Okiki, he's good is good. I just thought that was sort of known by this point that he's yeah. been solid. Has has more ball skills, I think, than a lot of people realize when they drafted him. There's we we pigeonhole these guys like, oh, they did that for 3 and D. And it's kind of happened with Sadiq Bey in, in Detroit. It's like, oh, that no, he can do like a little bit more on the ball. And so if they can, you know, get some reboot from Wendell Carter Jr., I think Mo Bamba has had some better mm. stretches now too. And he, I don't think we've weighed the fact that he really like COVID hit him hard. And he was basically trying to get back all the way until the season still isn't even really all the way back. And the other thing with them, I think RJ Hampton is going to be good. His offense is a little bit chaotic right now, but you can see the skeleton of what's going to end up being a really like confident and versatile offensive player. Who's able to keep defenses on tilt in the half court. Yeah.
0: All right, Dan, well, that's all I've got. Uh, What would you uh, like to plug as we wrap up here today?
1: Uh, I did publish an article today where I looked at the futures of the NBA's worst teams. That's why I was just so involved in looking at numbers for that. So if they go to Bleacher Report, uh, they will find that article up and running.
0: All right. Well, go do that. Go subscribe to Hardwood Knox on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you're not... Yeah, I'm
1: a terrible self-promoter. I have a podcast myself.
0: You do. (laughs) You do a very good one. A very good NBA podcast. So go do that. If you have not already, go check out all the great pods, even American Prodigy right now. I think it's top five on sports. Um, The King Griffey podcast so go check that out um if you've not already john i heard john <laughs> that was yesterday dan pavalli thank you as always talk to you soon
2: nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah